The text for the sermon this morning is chosen from our reading from John 19, verse 23a. Where we read the following, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. After the sermon, we'll respond together by singing from hymn 26. Loved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in John 19, we find a very detailed description of Christ's crucifixion, and our text this morning is but a small detail in this description. And if you first read the first part of verse 23 in this chapter, it seems to be an introduction to the verses that follow, which focuses Those verses focus mainly on what the soldiers are doing, how they are dividing Jesus' garments. It's only very briefly mentioned, isn't it? But it should not be overlooked. All the Gospels, all four Gospels mention this, that the soldiers took his garments. This implies, of course, that the Lord Jesus was hanging naked on the cross. Most artists' renditions of Jesus on the cross, as well as religious crucifixes, portray the Lord Jesus wearing a loincloth, but that is not a correct presentation of what really happened. When Roman soldiers crucified their prisoners, they stripped them entirely naked before they nailed them to the cross. And that's what all four Gospels imply when the Gospel writers say they took his garments And of course, we find that thought embarrassing. And because it's about our Savior, we even find that perhaps offensive, maybe even sacrilegious. Why would it have to be that way? The Son of Man, the Son of God, hanging naked on the cross. Why would God allow the complete disrobing of his beloved Son? While congregation in Christ's nakedness, the gospel is presented to us in a very unique way and with a very particular focus. So I have summarized the sermon with the following theme. On the cross, God disrobed his son that we might be robed in garments of glory. We'll consider the significance and the blessing of Christ's nakedness. So in chapter 19, we are presented with a picture of the Son of Man as a man, the man of shame and sorrow. The Lord Jesus is beaten and flogged. He's mocked. He's hit. He's spit upon by the soldiers. They place a crown of thorns on his head. They mock him by putting a purple robe on him, the color of royalty. And then he was unjustly handed over by Pilate for crucifixion. And Pilate even had an inscription placed on the cross, which was meant to mock him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Everything that happened to Jesus on that day was intended to humiliate him and shame him. He was treated with scorn and contempt and indifference. And we see that in the attitude of the soldiers as well. They are hardened men, apparently completely oblivious to the suffering of the man who's hanging on the cross 
From experience, they must have known exactly what was going to happen during the next few hours, and they probably didn't even hear the moans and the cries of those who were suffering. They were just sitting on their haunches, maybe on their heels underneath the cross, dividing the garments amongst them. But our focus, congregation, should not be on the soldiers. These soldiers are simply tools in the hands of God, whereby he used them to accomplish his purpose, his plan of redemption. And what's important for us to focus on this morning is that the Son of God hung naked on the cross. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is the Son of God. The Apostle John writes, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. All thing, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Son of God is eternal with the Father. And in Jesus' own words from John 17, we're told that he lived in glory, in heavenly glory with the Father before the world existed. And now this. Now he is stripped of all his glory. Instead of being clothed in glory, he is clothed in shame. He doesn't even have a robe to cover himself. He has gone from glory and honor to being despised and rejected. He hangs on the cross in complete shame. The very image in our minds even wants us, even forces us to turn our eyes away from that image, doesn't it? And we know, of course, that others have suffered this same thing. The Romans crucified thousands of people, perhaps even hundreds of thousands during the Roman Empire. But why the Son of God? Well, the answer lies in verse 24. This was to fulfill the scriptures, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Scripture tells us that this is an act of God. It was God who disrobed his Son on the cross. It was God himself who brought Jesus to utter shame. And why did he do this? Well, to understand this, it helps if we go back to the beginning of the Bible. We read in Genesis 2, verse 25, that when God created Adam and Eve, he did not give them clothing to wear, and the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, what does that mean, that they were not ashamed? Well, it does mean they weren't ashamed in front of each other, but it means more than that. It means very specifically that they had nothing to hide from each other, but nothing to hide from God either. They had nothing in them or on them or about them that would cause them shame. There was nothing sinful about them, nothing defective, nothing scandalous, nothing blameworthy. They didn't have a guilty conscience. There was no sin in their nature. None of their actions were wicked. So they were not ashamed, and that means there was an openness between the two of them, a perfect kind of vulnerability, but more importantly, an openness toward God. They were not ashamed before God because they had nothing to hide from God. After all, they had been created perfect. But then came the falling to sin, and they recognized that they were naked. The Bible says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. Well, again, what does that mean? Well, they were ashamed before each other, but from the context of Genesis 3, we understand that Adam and Eve, they weren't hiding from each other. They were hiding from God. 
That's clear from Adam's answer to God's question, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And notice that Adam used the word afraid, and not the word ashamed. They were afraid because they were naked. Why would that be? We can understand that they were ashamed, but why afraid? Well, that fear came as a fulfillment to what God had told them earlier, that in the day that you eat of that tree, the day that you disobey me, you will surely die. And as soon then as they no longer were living in God's will, they died spiritually. And their inner peace was replaced with fear. They knew they had sinned. They knew that they had made themselves odious in the sight of God. They could no longer be in his presence. They were conscious that they were exposed to his penetrating gaze. And when the Lord came looking for them in the garden, they knew they had to get away from him. They could not be open with God anymore. They knew that their relationship with their creator had been destroyed and they deserved death. And so they tried to cover up and hide. But of course, they didn't succeed. God came searching for them. No one can hide from God. And Adam and Eve found that out too. God saw them hiding in the garden, hiding behind the bushes. And he saw right through those fig leaves that they had tried to use to cover themselves. And he even asked them, who told you that you were naked? And God's question, of course, implied he knew exactly what they had done. And so Adam and Eve had every reason to be afraid. And yet, congregation, the Lord does the unexpected thing. After he cursed the serpent and the earth and Adam and Eve because of sin, he also gave them a promise that a Savior would come to crush the head of the serpent. But then we also read in verse 21 of that chapter, the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now, one of the results of sin is that God no longer wants people to live in nakedness. God has ordained, by that action, God has ordained that we must all wear clothing. And the scripture testifies in other places as well that outside the context of marriage, God is terribly displeased with human nakedness. Just to give one example, God gave very explicit instructions to Israel about how priests were to be dressed. And in Exodus chapter 28, God commanded that the priests were to wear linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. And those undergarments were to reach from the hips to the thigh. Aaron and his sons had to wear these undergarments whenever they served in the tabernacle. And the Israelites were not allowed to build an altar with steps going up to the tabernacle so that if the priests climbed up those steps, someone might possibly see something of their nakedness. That would be inappropriate for one who is making a sacrifice for sins. So since the fall into sin, God requires that we be covered, that we cover our bodies. Clothes are not simply to be worn to fit the occasion or in connection with the weather, but because the Lord requires it. So today, too, we wear clothing because of the fall into sin. And we do well to remember this when we go shopping and when we reach into our closets for our choice of clothing. We are to keep ourselves covered, not just for the sake of decorum, but because we live 
in the presence of God, a holy God. And that's why God made coverings for Adam and Eve. By providing them with clothing, God wanted to point out to them that their sins needed to be covered. But there was more to it than that. Those those skin coverings also pointed to God's grace. Adam and Eve were rightly afraid of the Lord. They deserved death. God could have destroyed Adam and Eve, but instead he showed them mercy and he allowed them to live. Instead of killing them, God killed an animal. And he used the skin of that animal to cover his rebellious children. And that was only possible because God had promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. God shed blood to cover Adam and Eve. And just as man's nakedness goes beyond the physical and points to the nakedness of the soul which resulted from sin, so God's provision of clothing goes beyond the need for garments. It's a beautiful illustration, congregation, of what God would do through the Lord Jesus Christ to provide salvation for all who stand before him naked and exposed because of their sin. And so we see that the garments God provided for Adam and Eve pointed to both God's wrath and his grace. Those animal skins pointed to the great chasm that had been created between God and his children, but those same skins also pointed to God's grace. By shedding the blood of an animal in order to cover their nakedness, God assured Adam and Eve of his mercy and his love and that Messiah was coming, a Messiah who would fully cover their shame and their nakedness, their sin and their sinfulness. And that congregation, that's the reason why Jesus had to hang naked on the cross. God used those hardened Roman soldiers to strip him of his clothing. He was as naked as Adam and Eve were before they were covered by those animal skins that God provided. And that's because for our sake, congregation, there was no grace for Christ on the cross. Christ hung on the cross in our place and in the place of Adam. In his mercy... God covered Adam with the skin of an animal, but he did not spare his one and only son. Christ is hanging there completely exposed, exposed to the ridicule and the scorn of the people and the soldiers who mocked him, but even more, he was exposed to the full wrath of God. He was not able to cover himself with fig leaves even. He could not hide from God. Instead of being covered with mercy, he was covered with our sins. Instead of being sheltered from God's wrath, he bore the full brunt of God's divine judgment against sin. This is what we need to see in Christ's nakedness on the cross. This is what we need to pay attention to. The soldiers, they were just sitting at the foot of the cross, rolling their dice, gambling for Christ's clothing. They had no idea what was going on. And it's no wonder because nobody had ever told them. They didn't realize that they were witnesses to the most infamous day in all of history. But a day which is at the same time a most glorious day for sinners like you and I who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we know what happened on Golgotha and we know what it means. 
And we know that God has a purpose in everything that happens. Even the evil in the world is used by him for good. And that's evidence in the nakedness of his son who was nailed to the cross. The Apostle John tells us that God used the action of these Roman soldiers for his purpose. They took Christ's garment so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, John tells us that this is a fulfillment of Psalm 22, a psalm that we sang. I am skin and bones, and gloating foes are staring. They've pierced my hands and feet, no cruelty sparing, and they divide the garments I was wearing by casting lots. Well, David perhaps didn't understand how much, how prophetic these words were. Because during his lifetime, he also experienced very difficult situations. He was hounded like a criminal by King Saul for many years. His sin with Bathsheba was public knowledge. His own son rebelled him, rebelled against him and stole his concubines from him in the sight of all Israel. And David had to flee for his life. He was humiliated. They threw stones at him and rocks and dirt and publicly he was mocked by his enemies. But David was mocked and scorned, congregation, but he was never abandoned by God, was he? He found mercy from God. His sins were covered by God for the sake of the Messiah who was coming. David felt weak. He was completely abandoned by his friends. His life and his sinful actions exposed for all to see. They stare and gloat over me, he writes. He felt so anxious, he cried out, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Come quickly to my aid. And the Lord did come to his aid again and again. The Lord rescued him from King Saul. He gave him his throne back after Absalom had stolen it. And so David could also say, The Lord has not hidden his face from me. But when Jesus hung on the cross, he could only cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was no mercy for the Son of God. Christ was fully disrobed before God so that he would not experience any grace, but only wrath. And he hung there naked between heaven and earth so that we might never have to experience exposure to the full wrath of God when we believe and trust in this Savior. He did this for us. And congregation, therein lies the blessing of Christ's nakedness for us. Because like David, we also experience very difficult things in our lives. Sometimes because of our own sins. Sometimes because of the sins of others. But because God stripped his son naked and exposed Christ to his wrath, we never have to fear being abandoned by God. Because Christ was fully exposed to God's wrath. By faith in him, we are fully exposed to God's mercy. Christ was stripped of all glory and dignity so that we might be clothed in his righteousness. It's true that in our sins and in our sinful nature, we, we are as naked before God as Adam and Eve were after the fall into sin. In our sin, we are naked and condemned. And no amount of fig leaves is going to cover us either. But God stripped his son 
so that we do not have to stand naked before God. Christ endured public shame so that we might receive the honor of being received as sons and daughters of the Most High God. He bore eternal shame that we might receive garments of eternal glory. We read about that in Revelation 19, the marriage feast of the Lamb. The Lamb is Christ, and the bride is his church, and he gives to his bride a gown of righteousness. That is the bridegroom's gift of grace to his bride. That is Christ's gift to us. Elsewhere in the book of Revelation, Christ promises that those who are faithful to him will walk with him in garments of white. Revelation chapter 3, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Congregation, the Lord gave Adam and Eve garments of animal skin to cover themselves, and he gives us clothing to wear as well. But he gives us more than material clothing. He gives us spiritual garments. He gives us, he gives us dignity and worth. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says in 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first few verses. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, that is our earthly, our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So what's the Apostle saying here? The Apostle is explaining that in this life we groan in our earthly bodies, we are burdened, longing to put on the heavenly dwelling. And when we do, he says, we will not be found naked. What that means is that God in Christ gives us dignity and worth. It is not our sin and our sinfulness that determines our value in the sight of God. Neither is it our exposure to sins done against us that determines our value in the sight of God. It is Christ's righteousness that determines our value and our dignity. And no one can take that away from you. And one day this will become a full reality for us when we live with Christ forever. Then we will have the dignity that we had before the fall into sin. And when we die, the Bible promises that we will not be found naked. And that is possible only because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was bound naked to the cross and who bore our shame and suffered in our place. Our own attempts at covering ourselves are inadequate. Adam and Eve's fig leaves were not enough. And if we try to cover ourselves with the fig leaves of good works, that's not enough either. We cannot make ourselves presentable to God. All the good works in the world cannot erase even one of our sins. Because sin is the problem. 
and sin alienates us from God. So only God can provide the covering that we need for our sin. And God takes the initiative, congregation, in properly covering his children. He stripped the fig leaves off of Adam and Eve and clothed them with animal skins. Adam and Eve didn't have to do that. He did that for them. He did it all. And we cannot receive God's salvation by offering him fig leaves for our sins. We must let him provide the covering for our sin. He provides salvation and he has done that in Christ his son. And that is the good news that we find in our text. That congregation, our text tells us that it is in Christ that we find our dignity and worth. That also means that while we still live on this earth, we should express that in the way we dress. Remember that the way we dress ought to reflect God's displeasure with sin and our dignity in Christ. The way we dress ought to reflect that we belong to the Lord Jesus and not to ourselves. Often we choose clothing to make a statement about ourselves and about who we are. And it's not wrong to have different tastes, of course. But if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have to keep in mind that we receive our dignity and our worth from him. So let's also be clear about what kind of statement we make when we choose our clothing. In his grace and mercy, God clothes us with garments of salvation and eternal glory, garments obtained by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the clothing we wear today reminds us of that, no less than the skins that Adam and Eve received. Those skins reminded them, too, that they lived by grace alone. So then, congregation, let us then dress and act like those who have received garments of eternal glory. Amen.